Welcome to the Bible Preaching and Teaching Ministry of Dr. Douglas D. Stauffer. Dr. Stauffer currently serves as President of Key of Knowledge Ministries. He has thousands of hours teaching experience, 10 years serving in pastoral ministries, and has authored several books. One of Dr. Stauffer's most recent projects included his participation as consulting editor for Oxford University Press. He has also been the featured speaker on national and international radio broadcasts dozens of times. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. Turn to Galatians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to preach on a saving and sustaining grace. A saving and sustaining grace. If you've got your Bibles open to Galatians 3 and 1 Corinthians 15, let me just do a little bit of introduction first. I want to explore what I think are two of the greatest problems in Bible-believing circles. As I travel the country, this is what I see. First of all, Christians, though they're saved by grace, have a very shallow concept of living by grace. We're saved by grace. We all know that. We just heard a song about being saved by grace, the empty tomb. And it's grace that saves us. But it's also grace that sustains us day by day. The Bible says, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me. We live by the faith of the Son of God. And it's by grace. And I'll show you those verses as we look through how I want to try to establish this. And, and it's something that's changing my dealings with others. As I learn more about grace, more about living by grace every day, the second thing that I've observed is, and it's closely associated and interrelated with the uh, first point about living by grace, and that is that Christians don't seem to comprehend what constitutes walking after the flesh rather than after the Spirit. What, what we have in America and around the world is everybody wants to make rules. And they think if you do these rules, you'll be right with God. Problem is, these rules are different from the rules that another guy makes. He says, if you'll do these rules, you'll be living for God. And the rules differ. Who's right? The thing is, it's not rules. It's grace that we need to live by. We need to find out in our life how God wants to sustain us and give us living grace. Grace to live by. We won't have to have rules. We'll be able to live by grace so that we know how to treat our fellow brethren. We'll know what's right and what's wrong, what to do, what not to do. The problem is rules are like the law. You make a law, what do people say? Well, rules are to be broken. It makes people lawbreakers. When they lowered the speed limit to 55 under Carter's regime, what happened? We became a nation of lawbreakers. Some of you weren't, I suppose. You're not out there on the road today or you'll die. When they lowered it to 55, it almost became a law to make a nation of lawbreakers. I believe that was Satan's purpose. I believe one of them. That's what Satan wanted. Satan wanted to make us a nation like that. And there are many other things that comprise that concept of a, a nation of lawbreakers. I mean, we've been disintegrating from within. But when you look at this thing, the two things, living by grace and learning how to walk, after the Spirit. 
When the Apostle Paul asked those of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, how they were made perfect by the flesh when they began to walk in the Spirit, it may have been an unusual question to them. Look at what he says in Galatians 3, verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, what would your answer be? It would be by the hearing of faith. I didn't get the Spirit. You didn't get the Spirit by the works of the law. We got it by faith. And that's his first question. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? He's saying, look, you got this Spirit not by works, but by faith. Well, then why is it that we try to serve God out of the flesh? Why is it that we know it wasn't works to get saved? Why do we think that it's works that's going to please God? Works, our own works. You see, it is works through us. It's Christ working through us. But the thing is, we need to get out of the way. And that's what grace is. Grace is God working through us. He gives us His grace. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We tell the lost, you can't be justified by the flesh. But yet we emphasize this works thing so much, it almost becomes where Christians are trying to serve God through the flesh. It's a defeating thing. We can't please God in our flesh. It's grace, living grace. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. The verse that I probably love more than any other verse in the Bible. He says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now that's not just saving grace. That's sustaining grace. That's living grace. He says, he says, yet not I. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. God's grace is what helps us to live the Christian life. And too many times Christians lose sight of that. And they, it's rules, it's this, do this, don't do this. You know, I got to thinking, if, if you lead somebody to the Lord, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to tell them, well, don't do this, start doing this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. We want to give them a list of rules. What we need to do is tell them, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to find out how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal, close, loving, intimate relationship. That's what God wants. God can make us do anything He wants us to do. But what He wants us to have is an intimate relationship with Him and He wants us to know Him. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Christianity is all about relationship. Relationship. We need to learn to focus on the person of Christ and not on the things we feel we need to do to please Him. When we focus on the things we think we need to do, you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. You know, you think about it. We, we'll say this. Well, you know, we're unworthy. Well, how can an unworthy thing please an infinite God? And, and it's almost self-defeating. What we've got to find out is how to know God. And then when we learn how to know God, we'll learn how to please. 
God. Because God wants us to have a relationship with Him. God doesn't want us to pray just because we're going through the motions. You ever do that? Just go through the motions? He wants us to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. With the God of the universe. That's what He had with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was a personal, intimate relationship. When they sinned, what was the first thing they did? We're naked. They turned their eyes off of God and turned it upon themselves. They looked at themselves. We need to get our eyes off ourselves and get them on the Savior. Look at Romans 12. Look at verse 3. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. What does Paul say? Through the grace given unto me. Grace is a gift from God. Not just saving grace. I'm talking about living grace. I'm talking about something that will help you get through the next week. I'm talking about something that will help you and I be faithful in doing whatever God has called us to do. Why do you come to church? Is it because you have a personal relationship with Christ and, and it's just God just gives you His grace and you just want to, you just want to explode with it? Why do you talk to others about Christ or do you? I believe that if we have a personal relationship with God, that living grace, we wouldn't be able to keep it in. We wouldn't be able to keep it in. We'd want to tell people. But what we're doing is we're giving them a plan of salvation rather than a person of Christ. We need to tell them about Jesus. Not tell them about a one, two, three, repeat after me. Let me give you the plan of salvation. Salvation's not a plan. It's a person. It's a person and it's Jesus Christ. And we've got to tell them about Jesus. And if we get a personal intimate relationship with Jesus, how could we keep it in? We couldn't. Read about Jesus. Get back there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about His life. That's why they print Romans and John, because John tells about the life of Jesus. Go in there and look and see about Him going into a village and just healing everybody. Healing this person. The blind can see. The lame can walk. The deaf can hear. That's the Jesus I want to serve. A personal, real, live Jesus. Not one that I don't know. Not one that I can't sense in my life. The Bible says Christ in me. That's the mystery. Christ in me. He lives in me. Everywhere I go, I take Him. You know, all He wants to do is live through me. See, we think, I've got to figure out how to serve God. No, we don't. We've got to figure out how to get out of the way and let God live through us. Not live for God. That's the misnomer. We don't need to teach our children. We don't need to figure out how to live for God. We can't do it. We've got to figure out how to get Christ to live through us because He's in us. He's in us and we need to let Him come out. What stops Him? The flesh. The old man. Crucified with Christ. We've still got to get the old man out of the way. We're the new man. We're the one inside this body. We're the one that has already had victory. We're the one that Christ wants to bring out so others can see. And if we'll let Him come out of us, 
My goodness, what a tremendous thing we can do. Because it's not us, it's all Him. You see, what did He say? Through the grace given unto me. To every man is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has felt to every man the measure of faith. It's through the grace given unto us. And then He says, but be careful, be careful. Don't think more highly than you are because if you do, that grace won't come through. Christ won't come through you if you get in the way. We've got to learn how to get out of the way. Look at Philippians chapter 1. He talks about others being partakers of His grace. Point being this. You can impart the grace you have received to others. Look at what he says in Philippians 1.7. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Well, there's a good place to put people. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the Gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. You see, Paul received grace from Christ, and he said to them, ye are partakers of my grace. Paul could share that grace that he received as a free gift from God, that living grace. He could, he could have others become partakers in that grace because he learned how to get out of the way and let Christ work through him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I told you it was a gift. Just like saving grace is a gift, sustaining grace is a gift. Ephesians 3, 7. Whereof I am, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. How? By the effectual working of His power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is, present tense, this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That is living, sustaining grace that each of us needs every day of our lives. Paul preached because of the grace given to him. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 now. I told you, sometimes we get to this thing where it's a list of do's and don'ts. A list of do's and don'ts. And we measure spirituality based on whether people live up to the do's and don'ts that we make up. Self-defeating. Now, don't get me wrong. In my home, I've got rules. But you know what? You know what would be better with my children? Instead of me telling them, listen, you better do what I tell you to do. You know what would be better? Is if they loved me and my wife so much that it would break their heart to not do right. It would be better for our relationship with God if we thought that our disobedience to God would break His heart. We would do so much better defeating otherwise. If all you've got is a list of rules, even if you did every one of them, could you say, I have arrived? No. You'd, you'd have to admit your rules really aren't high enough. Your standard's not high enough. You could set the standard this high and it wouldn't matter if you attained to it. You'd still feel rotten because that isn't the way we're supposed to live. 
We're supposed to find out what it is God wants us to do and then live that way accordingly, but let it be His rules, His way, His grace. If it's not His grace living through us, we won't make it through a day. There's joy, joy, joy. Come on, is there joy? I mean, look at you. I am. You're smiling, I know now, just because you knew it was coming. But sometimes we walk around, we just mope. If we walk out this door and meet people that are lost right outside that door, some of them look at us and say, well, I don't know if I want to go back in there with y'all. Me too. I do that. You know, this is just something when you're a preacher, you get to say what you are just as guilty of. I don't present that joy the way I should. I go through the motions. I just live day in, day out, sometimes. But boy, when I when I look at the grace of God and what God wants to do through us, and the fact that we are accepted because of the grace of God, God isn't up in heaven with a sledgehammer waiting for me to mess up. Now He does draw a line. He does draw a line, and 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 a person can go too far. I mean, you look at the Lord's Supper. What does He say? Many are weak and sickly, and some sleep. So God does judge. Look at Ephesians 1.6. How are we accepted? Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. We are already accepted. Our acceptance by the Lord is not based upon what we do, but who we are and the fact that we are in Christ. Why do we have such a problem living for God? I think one of the reasons is we fail to recognize who we are. We're God's children. We're children of God. And yet, sometimes we think, well, Satan is so powerful. Now, wait a minute. Satan's not more powerful than God. The Christian life can be lived in this present evil world. That's what Paul said in Galatians. He said it was a present evil world. It's always been evil. But we've got to live by grace every day. And as we live by grace, we'll be able to display that grace to a lost and dying world. We sometimes treat God like Santa Claus. He knows who's been naughty and nice and reward accordingly and then everybody gets presents regardless. You ever think about that? You better be good. You're not going to get any presents. How many kids you ever know didn't get any presents at Christmas, even though they were some of the worst? If He did reward us the way we say He rewards us, we'd all be dead. Think about it. God's going to get you. Basically, that's that's what we think. God's going to get you. How come people seem to get away with things for so long? I mean, you look out. I mean, the Bible talks about it. You look out there in the world. The Bible says that God reigns on the just and the unjust. But yet, we want to say, "Wait a minute! If you don't do things this way." I remember when I first got saved. They said, "You better be prayed up before you come to visitation. You don't get prayed up before visitation, something bad's going to happen." You mean this visitation thing's all dependent upon me and my prayer life? It's not dependent on God. It's me. You see that? That's what we've done. We've put everything on us and we forget about God. You know what happened if you come on visitation you hadn't prayed that day? 
Somebody might get saved. You know why? Because God's going to do the work in spite of us. Well, God doesn't need you. But I'll tell you what, God sure needs you. And if you don't do it right, it'll all get messed up. Do you see how contradictory we are? It's sustaining grace. But when I come to church, I don't want that. I want to hear about the glories of God. I want to hear about Christ and what He's done and how He lived and who He is. And I want to get to know Him better. Don't you? Let's get excited again. Let's be excited about serving God. Look at Colossians chapter 1. He wants to live His life through us. God accepts us as we are and He simply wants to live His life through us. Look at what it says. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now notice verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to His working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul says, I also labor. But whose work is it? It's His working, which worketh in me mightily. You see, what we've got to do is learn how to get out of the way. Let Christ live through us because Christ is in us and the only way the world can see Christ is if He shines through us. That's what grace is all about. That's what living, sustaining grace is all about. Too many Christians simply want to do something for God rather than truly desiring for God to do something through them. We place the focus upon ourselves and on what we do. We need to place the focus on Him and what He wants to do through us. And if we'll place the focus on Him, we won't get the glory. We won't have to be judged for it. You steal God's glory, God will judge that. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Because He says He won't share His glory with anybody. And by the way, if we'll not steal His glory... He will do that much more through us. But as soon as you or I get in the way, He has to pull back the reins. He has to slow the process down. In Philippians chapter 2, it says to work out your own salvation. I've debated Catholic apologists, and you know they want to tell you work out your salvation means you've got to work for your salvation. It's just a matter of prepositions. For is not out, out is not for. Look at Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, notice this, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to work out something that's in us. Work out your own salvation. Your salvation's in you. The only way people know it's in you is if you work it out so people can see it. That's why he says it is God which worketh in you. You know where God does His greatest work? Without the members doing 
the work of Christ without the members individually working out their salvation, the local church is worthless. It isn't a building. No, without the church members working out their own salvation because Christ is in us and working in us, nothing would get done. Because God wants us for that. God doesn't need you and He doesn't need me. But He has chosen to use this method and therefore He needs us in this respect. If He chooses for, for the rocks not to cry out, but for us to show the world Jesus Christ, we've got to do that. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means it's a serious thing. Look at Colossians 3. You certainly can't work out something that you don't have within, though. Christ lives in us. No lost person has Christ in them. Only a saved person does. Only a saved person with Jesus Christ in them can work out their own salvation. Colossians 3.1 If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Boy, I like that. You realize that my life, what I was, is hid with Christ in God. Now look what it says. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Christ, who is our life. Is Christ your life? Why do we sing about the joy and it doesn't look and sound like there's a bunch of joy? Why is it that the Christian life sometimes seems like it's such a drudgery? Because there could be many reasons. Maybe it's, maybe it's what our expectations are. Maybe it's the fact that we really don't know God. Maybe it's because we don't have that intimate relationship with Him. I'm not talking about simply salvation. Salvation brings you in contact with God. But that doesn't make you intimate with Him. It doesn't mean you know Him. When Jesus was on this earth, you know, Philip asked Him a question. He said, show us the Father. Jesus said, have I been with you that long and you don't know Me? You don't know Me? He says, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. They're one. Do you know Christ? I mean, do you know Him? Do you... Do you sense when you think about Him? And I'm not saying that I do all the time, because I don't. I want to know Him better. I want to know Him in a way that, that, that I know Him better than anybody else, better than my wife, better than I know myself, or I think I know myself. I want to know Jesus that way. I want to know Him. I, I want to understand that, that when He walked this earth, what it was like. As He's in heaven... And, and, and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. I want to know what that's like. I want to know what He's like. How do you know Him? Well, you've got to read about Him. You've got to read about Him. Read about what He's done for you. Read about how much He loved the world that He gave Himself 
for you and I. That when He hung on that cross, He was separated from the Father and He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? When He was in, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, If Father, if it be possible, take this cup from Me. But He says, Not My will, but Thine be done. Now that's love. That's love. Do you think you could love somebody that much? Do you know Him? I mean, do you sense what He sacrificed on the cross of Calvary? Do you, do you get a sense for that? I know that's what we need. We need to sense what it is Jesus did for us. The Christian life. It's funny, I wrote it down here. It's supposed to be a joy. We're saying joy, joy, joy. It is not to be burdensome. The Lord Jesus Christ gave His life for us so that He could give His life to us and live His life through us. Peter talks about being partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Paul is praying... Look at what he says in verse 10. The first five words. That I may know Him. And it goes on. The power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. But look at those first five words. That I may know Him. You know what the solution is to living a victorious Christian life? Praying and learning and knowing Him. That I may know Him. That's why Paul could die for Him. That's why Paul could give it all up. That's why Paul said he had fought a good fight. He would finished his course. He was ready to be offered up. That I may know Him. Grace. God gives you that grace. And well, I just can't do it. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We can't live for God. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We cannot live for God. We've got to just quit trying. We can't live for God. What we have to do is get out of the way and let Him live through us. We can't live for Him. Think about how many times I've probably said, you've probably said, you need to live for God. A human has no capacity to live for God. We have none. It's self-defeating. We set ourselves up for a fall whenever we get that mindset because that is not what the Christian life is all about. It's Christ in you and He wants to live through you by you and I working out our own salvation that I may know you. 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. He calls you and then He will do it. All He wants to do is us get out of the way. Our flesh is our greatest problem. It's not Satan. 
you think about it. If Satan is our biggest problem, then we have, we, we have somebody living in us that can't overcome the wicked one. Satan's not our problem. Our problem's us. Our flesh and us not getting out of the way. What does he say? Walk after the Spirit and you shall not fill the lust of the flesh. What do we got to do? We got to learn how to walk after the Spirit. How do you walk after the Spirit? Christ in you, working out your own salvation. Let Christ work it out. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You see, your old man's crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, it's grace. It's His grace, His sustaining grace that He gives to us. And we live by the faith of the Son of God. Christ is in us. And if we would just release Him, things could get done. People could get saved. Works could be glorifying to Him rather than the opposite. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you something here and I'll close here in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 9. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Look at that word before strength. Do you know who's speaking there? It's God. You know what God says? My strength. You see, He doesn't want to make us strong. He wants to give us His strength my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, it's God's strength. It's not our strength. It's our weakness. And if we'll let our weakness be identified by Christ, He can work through us with His strength. It's His strength. So what is it with natural abilities? You know, natural abilities become liabilities when a Christian relies on those abilities rather than on Christ. There's nothing wrong with abilities. Nothing wrong at all. People have abilities. But what's the key? Those abilities become liabilities if you use it to serve through the flesh. They become glorifying to God when you let Him work through us. He can do great and wonderful things. I'm going to skip a couple of things and jump over to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, when Mr. Bryant was preaching the other night, and I think it was the Wednesday after Brother Steve got hurt. He got hurt on Tuesday. This was Wednesday. Brother Bryant preached. And he preached and he mentioned Psalm 37, verse 4. And he said something that was totally different than what I'd ever preached this verse. Listen to what it says. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee desires in thine heart. He actually gives you the desires 
They're not your desires. He will give you and I the desires of our heart, which will be what He desires and not what we desire. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. We need to do in our lives something that I think is so lacking all across this country, around the world. We need to learn how to delight ourselves in the Lord. Joy. Joy. The Christian life is a joy. You and I ought to have fun. Of all people, we ought to be looked at and see that joy, that contentment. And people ought to be able to see that come through us. And they ought to come and they ought to walk up to you and say, hey, what is it that makes you so different? What is it? And then you know what we ought to say? Well, let me tell you about a person. Too many times what we want to do is say, let me tell you about a plan. Too many people take that plan without that person. And they pray that prayer without that person. And it doesn't do them any good. I don't want you to doubt your salvation if you've prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer and I repeated a prayer. But let me tell you something. I met a person. I met a person. You make sure you met a person and that person is Jesus Christ. If you didn't meet a person upon salvation, that's why your assurance is based on a date and a time and not an inward conviction. You see, if you've got the person of Christ in you, it isn't just a date or a time. It's a personal relationship. Now, you can lose that personal relationship. I don't know that you ever totally lose it because it's like the prodigal son. When he was ready to come back, he had decided he was going to say all these things to his father because he just knew his father wasn't going to accept him. He said, I'll become one of your servants. That's what he had planned on saying. When the father saw him, he went out there and he ran to him, threw his arms around him, and that prodigal son didn't get to say that. That relationship's always there. But if all you're doing is you're looking at a date and that is your assurance, you better make sure that personal relationship is there and that person of Christ must be your assurance. If you are interested in these or similar materials, you can contact us at www.mccowanmills.com. That is M-C-C-O-W-E-N-M-I-L-L-S.com or through the mail at P.O. Box 1611, Millbrook, Alabama 36054 or by calling 334-285-6650. Orders can be placed online or by calling toll-free at one 866 344 1611